Good evening, Patriots. And it's Wednesday, April 19th, at least at the end of it. We are um, sliding through this week like every week. Seem to be getting there pretty quickly to the end. It's amazing the speed of time these days. I'm just, I constantly shake my head at how fast things seem to be moving. And I don't know whether it's that there's literally a shift in the way time is working or whether we're literally living in just because there's so much going on, it just seems to swing by so quickly. And I guess that's when we say that, it's what's going on for people that are walking awake. I've tried to understand the bliss, I guess I would say, of walking asleep. And it's really pretty interesting when you encounter folks like this, and if you just kind of pay attention to how they see the world, there's really no concern about much of anything other these, these days other than making sure that you've got your vaccination up and, you know, getting back to normal, making sure that you can have friends over, start planning trips again. And it, it, when you get around these folks, you really have to scratch your head sometimes and go like, like, what worlds are we in? It's very much as if we are two different people now. And you know, that's not a new theme for me here. Talking about bifurcation, which is in the sense of a society where there's two realities coexisting. And we really have that at this point in time. It's rather stunning to witness. There's one reality, which we hear in the news all the time, is about how they're going to exterminate us. And the other reality, which we push into, is how literally God's children are reassembling. But those two worlds do not unite. It's literally the manifestation of wide path, narrow gate. You know, it's pretty amazing to me. An interesting time, indeed. I just, it's, uh, it's being witness to something that's beyond our explanation would be the easiest way. And I think there's some explanation to it, which we'll get into in a bit here. But one thing that is for sure right now, and we do have a lot of pending threats, one of those with the insanity of the world is making sure that what we have is well protected. And some of that requires that we need to make the necessary investments to protect our things that have digital components with it. That's why we have EMP Shield. An EMP Shield, you can check out at empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. You'll save $50. It's a great product. I have a number of them. We have them on all three of our vehicles, and I've got one on my ATV, putting them on the... They also have a unit for the house, which we're putting them on each of the houses. They have units for the uh, generators. And, and just so you understand what these are, these protect against EMPs of different kinds. There's not just one type of EMP. There's a level one, a level two, and, and a level three known as E1, E2, E3. And that's all your phases in EMP. That includes lightning strikes and protection, solar flare protection, and the different waves of EMP that can come from various attacks. So this is just a good security for your home, really solid security. So check it out at empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, and you'll get a discount, and it's really good. So I think it's $50 off per unit. So it's really solid. I love these units. I'm, And, you know, people ask, well, do they work? Well, I know they've been tested at the best labs, and I know these labs when I worked at DOD. The best labs that we have to test that sort of thing, they've been tested. They're all American-made, too, by the way. And... Um, that's about as good as you can get. It's cheap insurance when you consider if something, an event was to happen, whether natural or man-made, at least you know, you'd be able to have your unit, your vehicle or whatever you're having. I've threatened to do a video, I probably will, where you're driving down the road in my Jeep and like everybody's car's stopped on the side of the road on the freeway. You got the whole freeway to yourself and you're just driving in your Jeep smiling because you got your EMP shield. So check it out, empshield.com. Robert F. Kennedy has joined the presidential race. I see patriots are already flamed up about it because he blamed Pre President Trump for the lockdowns of COVID. Um, this is going to be an interesting event coming up here. That's what I'm going to say. 
because though I'm not fully on board with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I do like him. I've had him on the show, if you recall, a long time ago, about two years ago now. I'll see if I can get him back on. I mean, I do like him as a person. The one of my big respects for Robert F. Kennedy was his out front point of the spear attack on this vax, um, which we didn't see anywhere else from anybody else with a big name. Not really sure where he sits on his policies with Second Amendment. Not sure where he sits on his policies with uh, a lot of things. He's, I know he's back green energy stuff. I, I, I don't have an answer for these things. I just know that it's going to stir up the pot in a good way. That's what I know because this is a man who has been speaking truth about the vax. And though I've read a number of things to try to suggest that, you know, he's not all what he seems. Okay, uh, whatever. He's from an elite family. Let's be clear. I'm not putting, I, I think people tend to try to worship or find the perfect person to worship. And it's something we really need to get over in this nation. We make the difference at a local level. And national politics is national politics. We're choosing a president which is important from the perspective of overseeing our strategic issues for the United States. But our local politics are defined by who we are and how we're involved. And that sort of balance of power has to return, which isn't here yet, because too many people keep looking for one man to fix it all, whether it's Trump or Whoever would believe Biden can do something, but they do. And then that's just the nature of the beast that we are currently dealing with right now. But nonetheless, I think it's worthy to consider um, all the things that we have to deal with as we go forward. Because quite, quite frankly, I mean, and it is... The world is complicated, to say the least, and it's going to continue to require that we stay vigilant, in particular vigilant in our faith. I want to play a short piece here for you. I, I just love this story, and I, I think when you're looking at all the craziness of the world, it's essential to get back to ground ourselves truly in how God works. And it's this is a story about that, about prayers and how God answered prayers. It's really moving. It's about two minutes, 35 seconds. I think you'll like it. Take a listen. So I was on an airplane with my son and my daughter and my husband at the time. And I was so stressed because he was young. He was like 10 months old and I was nursing. And it was our first flying experience as a family with two children under the age of two. And I remember getting on that plane and just praying because I hate flying, which is crazy because I was in the Air Force, but that's another story. Um, and I was praying, God, please, please be with me up to, on this flight. Please don't let the kids scream and, and bother everybody around us because I'm so stressed out right now. And sure enough, as soon as we began to fly, my son was just not having it. He was crying. There was nothing I could do to comfort him. I was clearly stressed out. And the woman in front of me, I felt so bad for because like he was right in her ear and I thought she turns around, she's probably gonna cuss me out. <laughs> but that's not what happened. She turned around, she looked at me, she goes, can I try? And I thought, well, if she's crazy, she can't get off the plane with my son. And I looked at her and I said, sure, you go ahead and try. She goes, well, if you don't mind, I'd like to hold him and just walk around the aisle with him. And I was so desperate. I was like, do whatever you have to do. She could tell I was struggling and I was so disappointed with God because I was like, look, I prayed for this. I prayed for you to take care of this on this airplane and this is crazy. And so she, she stood up. I put my son in her arms and he's crying and he didn't want her at all. And she began to walk down the aisle. Everybody's staring at us because I mean, what else do you do on an airplane when you're the loudest family on there? And as she began to walk, I just kind of leaned over and watched her in the hallway with my, my son. And sure enough, he stops crying. And sure enough, before I knew it, this woman sitting where the flight attendant would sit and he was just passed out. She held him for the entire flight. In fact, he, he had a sweat mark on her arm. His hair was drenched with sweat. And she just, she didn't give him back. She, which was awesome because I needed a break for all you moms out there who have flown with children that just cried the entire flight. I hear you. 
And so we land and I couldn't thank her enough. And, and, and I was like, thank you God for answering my prayers. I don't know who you sent, but this woman clearly was sent by you. And she handed me back my boy and she leaned over and she said with tears in her eyes, she said, thank you so much for letting me hold your son. She said, I lost my son just a few months ago. And she said, you were an answer to my prayers. I looked at her and tears came back into my eyes and I said, you were an answer to mine. You know, you never know who's around you, who God sends, what the assignment is, but I can tell you this, God answered prayers. He didn't just answer mine, but he answered hers too. That's truth right there, right? We don't know how God works. We tend to be pretty myopically focused a lot of times about the me and not realizing that a lot of the things that are happening is about the body of Christ, the us. And I think it's a, a humbling perspective to keep in mind since too many times we do get kind of bunched up with our own stuff and we tend to forget how important it is to realize that as we pray into God, he does hear us. But as he hears us and unfolds things, we can't always see how it all unfolds, but that's where our trust comes in. We're in a really intense time right now, and I've had made no bones about my position on a number of things. And it goes back to these multiple realities. And even this piece we just played here is this reality, this reality piece. When we're really entrenched in the way we see the world, we can get pretty weighted by what's before us instead of being gracious for the walk that we have. I, I will be honest. I mean, it's... There's a difficult line to walk. I find increasingly difficult to walk where we have to say, when I say this, hear me, because I, I, I hear this a lot. Well, you know, God's one and we have to have faith. And I say those things, but to really walk in that and at the same time have to keep our eyes on this current reality, we can't lose, we can't walk away from one or the other. You have to keep one foot in the trenches and one foot in the kingdom. And that is a very difficult walk to do. And it requires of us to balance some things that are very difficult. This mother here that told the story is just a snapshot of a variation of that, where she's truly entrenched in her trench, which is her war at that moment, so to speak, is overcoming this anxiety that she's having for flying and the self-awareness of her child crying and her child's feeling all of that. And he's the, he's the absorber, receptor. He is, he's the sponge of her emotions. And with that, what has happened is that she has unintentionally probably brought about some of his own reactions through her own anxieties. And it's just amazing to watch how you know, and we hear that story, how God works that, because she admits she needs a break, and it's understandable. And as she needs that break and she gets that break, her son also needs the break. He needs the rest. This little snapshot is worth remembering what it looks like in the rest of the world. When I talk here about red lines and I talk about knowing where our stand is. And this isn't to build anxiety, though I know with some it does. And it's one of those unfortunate byproducts of communication that you just have to understand that the intention is not there to generate anxiety. What is there is the idea of creating a firmness, a stableness, a solidness in who we are. Unexpected events that we end up angsting, having angst over and, and running through our heads is in a place 
that causes us to get in a place where our emotions can overrun us. And one of the things that experience in the military, experience in other other elements of life, I mean, I could name a lot of careers that do similar things, but that require a discipline of having to confront fear on a daily basis. You, you tend to work through your scenarios and then you level out at a place where you're very firm on where your lines are. And though those at the moment could change with God's intervention, you at least have accepted a path where you could go and you're okay with it. And it separates us from our vanity, it separates us from our concern of what others think about us. We're just very clear and very solid in where we walk. And where this piece that we just played comes in so importantly is the ripple effect when we're not there. Uh, this is not a criticism to this mother that gave this testimony. In fact, I'm. it's a really amazing testimony because it gives so much depth into the power of prayer and the power of God's gift. But in we, as we take a look at that, there's some other elements that are very much worthy of note. If we are looking at ourselves where she is with her son, and we look at ourselves how we walk in the world, whether it's around our family, our friends, or just in the world, how we carry ourselves, the anxiety and emotions that we bring with us will affect those around us because those around us become receivers and receptors and sponges for who we are. So with that, there, we have to keep that in mind as well when we're dealing with people. And I, I have to say it myself, I have to, I have to manage my own self. And, I, and let me just put it, I'll just talk from the me for a minute. And again, this is not in any way trying to somehow talk about how I have great experience and others don't. That's not the point. But the, the experience that I've had in my life has been quite a ride. There are people that have experienced a great deal more sacrifice and suffering or challenges than myself. My particular set of experience that I talk about here a lot within literally the fields of war and then just the walk with God has been eye-opening, humbling. And it's easy to forget sometimes that others don't have that same optic on things. Things that we talk about or I talk about as normal Red lines, as an example, um, can generate anxiety in other people. And in so doing, their reaction can be rather intense. That's just a, another variation of what this mother was talking about. She loved her child and yet at the same time just has her own struggles she's dealing with. And her emotions are affecting that child that are affecting the community within the plane. And as a whole, I would say that the child was probably receptive, not only perceptive, I should say, of what she, where his mother was, but as well, you know very well if you've been on a plane, how many of us can be said that we're impatient with screaming children. We look at the parents to fix the problem. What we don't see what we seldom see is somebody willing to step in and say, may I help? Instead, we judge. The stepping in of may I help is our role. It's what we're supposed to do. And how we help is God-led. Sometimes maybe it's a donation of money. Maybe it's truly an intervention to help somebody out in a, in a tough spot. And we're balancing that with our own needs and we're balancing that with also the need of others to stand up and take charge and responsibility in their own lives. Now, that last little caveat is an important one. Because in this current world that we're in, there's a lot of intellectualizing of real things and not doing. And there's also a lot of expectation 
unfortunately, that others will fix it for us. And both of those things have to be shaken out as we move forward in a solid place in this world. Our biggest challenge going ahead, in, in my opinion, and is this place of being truly a nation accountable to ourselves, our actions, and accountable to one another. But we're not going to get there by individual actions. We're going to get there by a collective understanding that we all have to move in that direction. And the great thing about this testimony is that that was in there. While God was working to heal two people, we were also seeing a new, a higher level of existence happening in between two people where the mother, who was very concerned about the judgment of others, was confronted not with judgment, but with grace. And someone who wants to try to help. That's where the blessing sits, but it's equally where I think the greater message of where we each sit. We have an evil in this world. It is unprecedented. I have no quarter for it, and I'll give it no quarter. But man, there is a lot of damage in between that evil and us. I'm not a big fan of Robert Malone, but I listened to a piece of him the other day, and I have my reasons for not being a big fan of Robert Malone. If you know who he is, he was the inventor of the mRNA nonsense that we're dealing with, who's come out to be a parent whistleblower. I'm highly suspect of some of the things he says, and I'm equally, I, I don't understand the, this. I, I really don't understand what all this is about with him having invented something, made millions off of it, and now goes on the, I'm going to save the world campaign. Maybe, you know, maybe that's God's hand. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Irrespective of all that, that's my just normal suspicions that go along when I look at people that come out of the elite circles. But he did say something that was very interesting that I, I've we've talked about here, but I think it's worth relating. We fought this war not to be hateful to people taking, I should say, let me rephrase this. We fought the first major battle of this, which was the mask and the COVID sh con shot, the death shot, not because we wanted to divide, but because we were trying to truly save lives. And we stood strong together and understood that there was a pretty clear understanding that God gave us with sight of where we were going as a nation and as a people, and that this evil group had not anything in their hearts of good, but rather were focused only on evil. And we fought hard in that battle. And I wouldn't say there's a winner or a loser in that battle. Unfortunately, there is more of a detente. And that has left with 70% of the population injected and 30% that stood strong. That's not a victory on any side, especially when you look at the outcome. But what Malone was pointing out was that never in the history of mankind had there been a globally synchronized PSYOP campaign that was using the most sophisticated and most advanced levels of psychological operations against an innocent and unwilling public. And he's right. He was 100% right in that statement. We've never seen anything of this magnitude. And this was a well-organized, well-engineered, well-thought-out, psychologically, sociologically researched event to break the will of humanity and bring them to their knees to submit to a shot, which in the end would depopulate, would cause irreparable harm, and over time, cancers and other health damages, and then weed out the transitionary group that would ultimately become the base of the new transhuman population. That's it in a nutshell. So his comment is, can we blame those that took the shot 
when we consider that they were victims of one of the most vicious and intense psychological operations ever waged on humanity. I'm not going to answer that for you, but I'm going to give perspectives on it because you've heard me say this. I have been, of anybody out here, I've probably been one of the more vicious tongues about people taking the shot. And I fought that battle as hard as I could, trying to still stay within a boundary of faith. And you've heard me say, in my opinion, when you took it, you were choosing salvation through a needle rather than salvation in Christ. And that caused a lot of shakeup in people. And I did that intentionally. But in the place that we sit right now, we're into this new phase of place of trying to heal those bonds and wounds. And really that gets to that next level of warfare where we, now we can step into our authorities and help heal these people and hopefully bring them to Christ because sometimes it just takes that suffering to realize what you've actually missed along the way. But I don't have a vengeful heart for those that were victimized. And I don't have a vengeful heart for those that did it other than to say that there will be justice delivered. But as God even put on my heart, as I woke up one morning a couple months ago, was the question of can you overcome the shot? And it's a big question for all of us. It's a significant question to ask if we can overcome this division, which at the end of the day, because of its nature, it's hard for us to get over it. The brutality of words that were said, the engineered hatred that was injected into the system, the blindness and willing visceralness of hate that was spewed family member to family member, those are not easy things to overcome. And just like the mother's anxiety in that piece, they resonated into a community. We felt it, and it creates a memory of a moment that isn't easy to let go. But we have to. And you've noticed how quickly they've injected this transgender garbage. The shot is one thing. The shot was a choice of free will, misguided by those who took it, misguided. But many of those who took it so much in a bubble of information that was controlled by the evil puppet masters of this world that they weren't able to see any other way out. It was that they were caught in the maze. And it's a forever changing maze. I've, I've used this metaphor before, and I'll, I'll use it again tonight. If you consider that we live in a maze that is constantly and infin infinitely changing, and then you imagine accepting Christ, because then the maze doesn't hold you anymore. They can change the, the pathways in the maze a thousand, thousand times, and it doesn't matter because our eyes are on Christ, and we know that through Christ to the Father, we will always leave the maze. And so therein is the true sense of relationship with Christ and our true mission to bring as many people out of the maze, call it the matrix, whatever you want to call it, to free them through that relationship in Christ. And that is truly our mission, and we have to, I feel strongly that has to be something we have to pursue. Because they're counting on us being in the place of that young mother where we, we just we can't take any more. We can't handle any more of the judgment and the eyes that are upon us. And yet what society needs is the woman that was in ahead of her to reach out her arms and for us to reach out our arms metaphorically and say, can I help? That's truly at the core of how we heal this world. And the, the issue that I've said all along, I mean, this is a very challenging time because there are elements within this culture that are very violently driven right now. And there are people that are going to be called to remove them. And there will be other people that will be called to pray for them 
and there will be other people that will be called to heal them. And that's another part that we have to start realizing is that God did not make us uniformly equal. He made us unique in his own image. And that there will be times that difficult decisions and lines will have to be crossed in order to save the greater body of Christ. Now that wording may have may get somebody turned sideways because it's going to be like, ah, God won this. I've heard this a lot. God wins this. Yes, I, I get all that. But when we do that peace, we separate ourselves from the importance of the time in which we live. We separate ourselves from the accountability which we live in. And this is why I go back to this story right here we just shared. That old plane could have sat there and ignored her and been angry at her and eyes looking at that mother and she would have had a horrible flight. But it took the courage of one person, one, one woman to say, can I help? God may have blessed her, but God did not create that action. She chose with her free will to respond. And that's where each one of us sits right now. Each one of us is in the place to choose. Choose thy path. Choose whom you shall serve. And it's a very, very important perspective for us to embrace because it's every day there's choices to make. And those choices aren't easy. We have Bards Fest coming up, and it, it's a lot of work. I, I'm not going to kid you. I mean, these are, I love these, I love the event that we had last time, but they're a lot of work. And the other, the other night, it was just one of those things, just the, I'll, the stack of stuff that we've got to get done on a timeline now between the next seven days and getting all these things in place. And I'm just feeling the weight. And I'm literally like, you know, man, this is, this is a lot of work. And someone in chat writes, we really need a Bards Fest out here on the East Coast. We're just hanging on. I'm so grateful for this family. And I'm blessed that we have it. So thank you. I don't even remember who said it. Those words were just like a wake-up call. And it's reminder of how important the walk that we do. In that moment for me, it was how important the walk I was doing is. Not, it had nothing to do with me. Who cares? You know, okay, so God put a lot on my plate. Get over it. And we all have moments of pity me. I'll never admit that officially, but it might happen once in a while in private and totally deniable. And everything I just said about it is going to be forever forgotten. And I won't admit it ever again, that sort of thing, you know, but the fact is that in those moments, we forget the greater purpose of why we're walking here. We're walking here with each other to literally extend the hand to another and extend that hand to help. And in the midst of this most evil time that we live, and I say this because even if this is, if we end up and someone pulls up the curtain and goes, hey, guess what? It was all a big psyop, which I love. There's so many people talking about this right now. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. Nothing else changes, though. It can be a psyop or not a psyop. The fact of the matter is that each one of us is being changed and affected by the moment. And what we're seeing here isn't a joke. Whether it hits your hometown or doesn't hit your hometown is the fact that these people are dead serious about their hatred and visceral, visceral desire to enslave and destroy God's children. So when I say the most evil time, that's pretty much at the core of it. The death cult. And they're real. And each one of us is feeling that in one way or another. 
But I guess the whole summation of this is let us not forget the importance of the small actions of helping one another and listening to God's nudge. This thing could get very ugly. I don't know. I don't want it to, but it could. I think there's people that revel in that. Man, I can't wait. Gonna, the balloon's going to go up, and I'm going to get on my kit, and I'm going to go after and go get them. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Talks nice vibrato, but it, the, the fact is that there is a real enemy, and there's no negotiating with that enemy. But there's a whole bunch of us, and the whole bunch of us is what we really need to be focused on. This war isn't hard to win if we can understand that, truly every one of us. The importance of helping one another. The importance of doing the right thing. And helping one another is going to be a demanding issue. As they have poured trillions into the Ukraine to bankrupt this nation, they've also poured tons of drugs onto our streets. They haven't stopped with the abortion issue, even though the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, the local action has died off and gone flat. No one really cares anymore. They're still sacrificing those babies and those death mills all the time. We have broken families. We have kids being subjected to the horrors of groomers. And it's not just groomers in a typical sense. We have teachers in every school that are accepting this new propaganda as normal because they have to, to save their job. There is all sorts of very wrong decisions being made. And the only element in this that at the end of the day wins this fight is us who stand with Christ and we walk in the holy space we declare as kingdom to hold fast to our beliefs, not give an inch, and more aggressively press in to expand this territory, which we, we are part of and we need to control. That's warfare. And the most amazing part about this and the most difficult part about this is that it is, again, that metaphor from the garden of Peter and Jesus. It requires the decisive sharpness, precision, and non-hesitating cut of Peter slicing off the ear. And it requires as well the compassion, strength, martyrdom attitude to heal the ear and to be led on the walk that ultimately is his crucifixion. We need both. Not an easy walk to do. Not an easy place to find. And, and there's no, by the way, there's no instruction manual here. There is a field manual. It's called the Bible. But the A, a to Z instructions on how you balance those two things, it centers on one thing, prayer. And as it centers on prayer, it also requires us to appreciate that as we pray, you never know how God will answer one prayer with many. Let's pray. Father, we're blessed and thank you for this evening just to reflect and to walk a path as difficult as this is to reflect very deeply on the centerpiece of what we're trying to do here. We've asked and will continue to ask for guidance and for wisdom as a path that is with that balance of Peter's sword and Jesus' mightiness of healing the ear and the sword of the Spirit, we are reminded of the challenges that face each one of us and where each one of us can be pushed. We have to know what we can do and what we're unable to do. And with that, we start to rely on the greater sense of the body of Christ to know that as one has a limit, others are called to do other things, and together we create a perfect army. We're blessed with a story tonight of a woman that shared 
her response to prayer, the honesty in that statement and that testimony of how she even had talked about how she was frustrated with you, only to realize that the greatest gift was that you answered her prayers and somebody else's. That's good humility. And so we pray for that as well, that we can have the, the patience, the temperance in these moments to understand that as we pray, it's the powerful, most powerful tool we have. And in as we pray, to realize that those prayers are answered in many times in ways we can't see or anticipate. So, Father, in this walking forward here with a, again, a very challenging moment in time, intense hatred coming from these those puppet masters in charge that truly have on their sights the newborn, the youth, and those that have no way of protecting themselves. May you enlighten our hearts with the righteous spirit to be able to boldly walk into these fights, not with anger or vengeance, but with a compassion for the one another of who we are and the righteous conviction to crush this enemy completely and to have the presence with you to hear your voice, to guide our hands and to deliver the justice in this world that is both the balances of compassion of the heart and moral law of heaven. Guide us, Father, in these times. Bless us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. The um, I've told you this before, but it's really interesting working with special operations because there is a real sanity, or having worked with, let me properly put that in proper context, Having worked with special operations, it is—it's a very, with the right teams, it's always a very amazing experience because there is no emotion. It's very level. There's a very systematic analysis of the problem, and there's a very sanitized issue of very common sense, reasoned base in which you look at the problems, and there's equally a very precise and sanitary identification of the problem and the need to remove it. There isn't emotions like we deal with a lot. The anxiety isn't there. That just comes from drill and discipline. So in that sense, make sure you're giving good time to your spiritual warfare practice and discipline and equally good time to your practice of your martial skills, balancing those both. It's not whether you use them. It's having the discipline underneath you. It matures you as a warrior. It matures us in the body of Christ. And we're going to need very level heads going forward. This craziness is um, increasing. I mean, keep in mind that today is both the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing and Waco. So I, you know, no accident there, right? All right, patriots. We have a, an amazing God. We are blessed by our Father. And he has all the wisdom we need, and it is certain that he knows all that we're going through. That's one thing we sometimes forget. Seek him for a wisdom. Seek him for guidance. Don't be hesitant where he places you. Be bold and step in where others won't. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
Oh 